Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Today on Living Heritage is part two of our Grand Falls Memory Mug Up, recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Classic Theatre on July 14th, 2017. The Mug Up was part of the town's Salmon Fest activities and was organized by the Grand Falls Windsor Heritage Society and was a staged interview with six local community members. In part two, we hear stories from Sean Feener, Mary Kelly, and Cliff Thomas. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I am the new owner-operator of the former Popper Theatre, now the Classic. And uh, what we try to do, we try to keep the structure of the building as much as possible to stay with the history, but bring it up to the new technology. And let me tell you, that was a handful. But uh, being the owner and operator, like you do so many jobs in this place, as John can probably relate to, like you're, you're carrying boxes, you're running movies, you're collecting tickets. And the collecting ticket uh, part is one of the little stories I want to tell you. Uh, back in the, in the 60s, when we grew up in the early 70s, money wasn't very uh, plentiful back in those days because everybody had big families and stuff. So tickets uh, were at the theater, 6.15 were 25 cents. So being uh, a little bit, uh, trying to get in, trying to sneak in, I guess is the easiest way to say it. <laughs> What we would do, we would go around and, you know, we, most of us would have a quarter in our pocket, but some of us never. So what we would do, we would go over to the drugstore, we'd get five nickels, and we'd go over to the rail bed. John, you want to plug your ears for this one? <laughs> and we would go over to the rail bed right on the back of the, back of the theater here, the old, the old mill of rail bed, and we would lay the nickels on the rail bed. So lo and behold, when the train would go by, those nickels were turning into nice shiny quarters. <clears throat> so... Claude, Claude Rendell was, was the guy collecting tickets, and every time I, every movie that I collect tickets, Claude comes to my mind. I mean, every, 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 every movie. And uh, we wouldn't do it all the time because Claude would, Claude would catch on, but Claude always liked to put a few extra quarters in his pocket. So what we would do, instead of buying tickets, we would come in and we'd just wink at Claude and we'd just put our hand in it. Claude would take the quarters and put it in his pocket. Now, Claude couldn't, Claude couldn't look at it at the time because if Charlie caught him or something, you know, that'd be trouble, right? So, you know, out of, out of every four or five quarters when there's pocket, there's always a slug. So when the movie was over, now everybody knew who Claude is. Like Claude had a, <clears throat> excuse me, had a really deep voice. And he knew, you know, if one of these little hoodlums here left, one of you guys give me the slug. So as we would be going out, he'd be there, boy, and we would go to the door, and he'd go, and we'd just, so the next movie we'd go in, the next guy would have to, he'd have to uh, sneak, sneak the slug in. But that's how we, that's how we got to our movies, and uh, <laughs> so, and, uh, and talking about, like, the theater itself, like, uh, the whole history here, uh, there's been, I go, I, I'm willing to say there's more relationships created through this building here than any bar ever come in Grand Falls, Windsor. Any bar, any bar. And one, well, two summers ago, I was here doing, a, doing an afternoon matinee for the kids. And uh, I was, of course, out in the lobby there looking around and checking everything out. I looked out and I seen two elderly people, a man and a woman out, stood up in the lobby. And so I left them alone. They were looking around and stuff. So oh, eventually, about 15, 20 minutes went by. I walked over and I introduced myself and I asked anything I can do, you know, if anything help you with anything. And they went on to tell me that this was your 50th anniversary and you're home from Ontario. The lady was from uh, Windsor, and the gentleman was from Bishop Falls. Uh, or no, sorry, the lady was from Bishop Falls, the gentleman was from Windsor. And uh, they were just here on the 50th anniversary, and this is, this is where they had their first date. So we got talking and stuff, and, uh, and uh, 
they, they started telling me, you know, how this, this was their place and he had to come back and see it. So uh, we got talking and uh, they, then they wanted to come in and ask if they could relive their first date. So again, I said, not a problem. I said, just, just wait for a second. I got to go and check on the cell phones. That was my excuse to come in. So they told me during the conversation, the back row up the left-hand side, that's where they had their seats to. So there were some people there sitting watching the movie. So I leaned in and asked me if, you know, if they wouldn't mind moving you know, just to another seat because there were lots of seats there at the time. So lo and behold, he did. So I went back out and I said, yeah, I said, anytime you want it, you want to do it. So the gentleman leaned in and he told me, he said, uh, Mr. Fiener, he said, um, when I came to the, to the movie on my first date, I never had the, 20, uh, the 10 cents to pay for my date. So what I did, he said, I waited inside the lobby about a, about a big wall up in the back here. So uh, the lady would have to pay her own way in. That was his way. That he never had to. The, <laughs> so lo and behold, off, off we go. And I said, okay, not a problem. So the gentleman goes inside, and the lady waits outside, and I looks over, and then she's starting to tear, starting to roll. I said, oh, my, oh, my. I, little bit, I get a little bit emotional seeing this kind of stuff, too. So anyway, I, I said, okay. And anyway, so the lady opened the door, and she come in. And anyway, everybody was, you know, snotting and bawling. And they went over the corner, and, you know, I said, you know, you can stay as long as you want. About 15, 20 minutes later, they come out, and they were still crying and everything. And they come over, and they hugged me and everything, and they thanked me for it, and they left. So the next day, on the Sunday, it was the matinee, the 2 o'clock matinee, and uh, the gentleman come back in again, and he had a bag in his hand, a shopping bag, and he said, I would really be so happy, my wife and I would be so happy if you would take this and display it somewhere in the theater. And when I opened the bag, lo and behold, it was two framed chip bags and two 10-cent popper theater tickets. So the, the, the gentleman's wife, or the gentleman's mother, gave him the two bags of chips to to bring it to the theater, and uh, when he went home, she took the two tickets and she framed it. So when you leave, just outside the door here, right behind where we collect the tickets to between the two double doors, you'll actually see the actually framed of the tickets and, and the chips that they had on their first date. And I'm so sorry, but I never ever got their names because everybody got so emotional and everybody got so... <laughs> but I'm hoping at their 75th anniversary, they're going to come back and do it again. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I have a quick question for you as well. When you, when you exit the theater today, on, on your right when you go out, there's an old projector. Can you, can you tell us the story of that projector? On the right here, well, actually, uh, uh, John can probably uh, relate to that one because John is the one who donated it to the theater. That was actually a slide projector, and uh, it, was used for, it was used to use two-and-a-half-inch by three-inch slides, and the slides were actually locally made in town here, too. Some gentlemen in town made the slides. And... Uh, what happened, uh, the Zoom, and John, again, John can probably relate to this one better than I did, but the Zoom, was no, there was no Zoom in the day. And if you look at that slide projector closely, you'll actually see three bean cans on the end of it. And that's how they got the throw distance to reach the screen. So the bean cans are still attached to it right now. So when you go out, you're going to have a look and actually see the three bean cans stuck on the end of it. So that's your type of technology and how they improvised back in the day. But it worked. You had to do what you had to do. So, <laughs> so who, who's, who did that? Who put the bean cans on the end of the projector? I'm not getting any forgiveness for this, but uh, I would say Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. We're going to pass the mic over to uh, Mary now. Yep. Okay, before we start with what I was going to talk about, two little stories relating back to what Ivan and Sham both said. Uh, Dr. Ball, the dentist of much uh, acclaim here, first dentist I ever went to in Grand Falls was Dr. Ball, and he had hands on him like baseball mitts. I don't know if you ever remember him. I was five at the time, and I bit him. 
I never went back, but I do remember the cursing and swearing my father and him got into about me biting him. <laughs> Thankfully, Dr. Jackman came to town shortly thereafter and set up across some old NDA. And I don't know if you know Dr. Jackman, but he's the most calm, mild-mannered guy. And he was perfect with kids. The other thing, everybody of my generation who ever came to a movie in this theater never saw a whole movie matinee, I'm sure, because partway through, Charlie would always get up on the stage and talk about young people today and how bad we all were. And you all know who we're talking about because no matinee was complete. The movie be running on, and you're like, I'm missing important parts of this movie, but we're just so bad, young people. And the flashlight would be going during the movie. Your, your feet couldn't be up on the seat, and your popcorn couldn't be missed. Or but that was a, an experience unique to going to a movie in Grand Falls. It really was. Now, I grew up on 2nd Avenue in Grand Falls, which Andy referred to earlier. And it was interesting. I went back to university in 1991 to do a semester of education to finish my degree. And I phoned home. And when I phoned home, my aunt who raised me said, yeah, we moved. I said, what do you mean we moved? Yeah, she said, we don't live on 2nd Avenue anymore. I said, well, what do you mean we don't live on 2nd Avenue anymore? Well, in amalgamation, because 2nd Avenue and Windsor had more, more houses on the road, they got to keep their name, and my street changed to Union Street. I'm still a bit bitter about it, but I'm all right, <laughs> because I still live in the house on Union Street, but I grew up on 2nd Avenue. Uh, what I wanted to talk about this morning, uh, being born in the 60s and growing up here in the late 70s and 80s in high school, was a reputation of strong women in this town, which doesn't come up a lot of times. Like, I was raised by my aunt, who, when we went to the Viking settlement in Lancet Meadows, this was a household I grew up in. Her first question to the people who gave us the tour, what about their women? Did they bring women with them, and did they have to do all the grunt work? So it was all about, in this town, the role of strong women. And I grew up in an area of town where in three houses in a row, there were very strong-willed women, and some of you know who I'm talking about. Um, when I was in high school, in my final year, I got involved with parish council of the Catholic parish here, and they had two youth representatives. And at that time, the chair was Caroline Ball. And I'm sure, I know behind her back, people used to call her the vice pope because she was... <laughs> She was very involved, but the most important lesson I got from Caroline was that if you're involved with organizations, it's your responsibility to be all in, that you be involved and be a good volunteer, and that as a role, that was one you had to take. Like, I teach high school now, and one of the courses you have to get to graduate high school is a careers course that involves... 30 hours of volunteer time in your community. And we have students who won't graduate because they don't want to do 30 hours of volunteer work. And they have three years to do that. And I, that worries me sometimes about the generation. But in my day in this town, the strong women gave you an impression that, you know, they could do anything and that if you were involved, make sure you're a good volunteer. Like, if I think back to Caroline Ball, who is in a Newfoundland Labrador Sports Hall of Fame as a builder, who was president of Curling Canada, and was one of the people behind the Scott Tournament of Hearts, 
originally signing of that. We have Vi Pike in this town, another Sports Hall of Fame, fabulous curler. Okay, we had uh, Laura Blackmore as one of our best examples here in this town of strong women, who was editor of our local paper. Didn't let being a woman not allow her to be involved in journalism at the day. So to me, growing up in this town and being a woman growing up in this town, it was a wonderful legacy. And I think that sometimes gets lost and doesn't get the uh, recognition it deserves sometimes. So that's what I wanted to reflect on here today, of being you know, female growing up in this town and really believing that anything was possible for a female growing up in this town. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Good day. My name is Cliff Thomas, and I was born in Grand Falls. I'm not Sterling, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he would have loved to have been here today. But uh, I got a feeling this lady here might know uh, the Prime Minister, talking about strong women. Because I think he just uh, nominated a woman for Governor oh, General. Julie <laughs> yeah. Julie now, I, I didn't write anything down for this morning, but uh, all these people gave me a lot of memories. By the way, I'm the oldest one here, I think, on this stage. Give me 10 more days and I'll be 84, so <laughs> I'm kind of getting there. <laughs> But I, I, I had the privilege of growing up in Windsor. Now, that was something. And uh, Andy was talking about the jungle. <laughs> and and that, the jungle was a hard place, Andy. I, I'm, su I'm surprised that pony made it out of the jungle. Because <laughs> I, I tell everybody, no, they, you were hard down there. No, we, we weren't hard. But I do remember the people had to tie the dogs on <laughs> where the youngsters wouldn't bite them. <laughs> that, that, that was a great place. <laughs> and the ponies, the ponies, I, I can remember his grandfather coming. And we had our colorful, colorful people in Windsor. And we're, is Bruce, where's Bruce? Bruce is gone now. He must be. Because Bruce says, you've got to spend all day to listen to me. <laughs> but I can remembered our colorful people in Windsor. And I, I won't mention any names, but one in particular was a good painter, a house painter. He used to go around painting houses. And he used to walk back and forth from Windsor. And uh, one day, Andy's grandfather was coming in, and when he was passing with the horse, he was saying, get on, get on. And uh, when he passed this man, he jumped on the wagon. And he said, uh, what's going on? Where are you going? Well, he said, well, you, you were passing along, he said, and, and you said, get on, get on. So he said, I jumped on. He said, I wasn't saying get on to you. I was saying get on to the pony. <laughs> well, he said, if the pony gets on, who's going to pull this wagon? <laughs> I, I think a lot of you people would know who that painter was. But we had great fun out there, and, and the good stories I can keep on going all day. Now we'll get to Yvonne's thing. She was talking about uh, Garley Morsey and Patty. Oh, my. Now, I, I live on Esmond Street. It's, it's uh, parallel to uh, Union Street. And uh, I heard this old Jeep going up this day, and I was looking out. Now, when I looked out, 
Here was Garley going up, and you could hear him humming from And I looked, and I said, oh, my good God. He had Paddy tied on in the back of the Jeep. And when Garley started off, it was a standard, and boom, boom, boom. And Paddy fell out of the Jeep. And here was his front legs up on the Jeep. And Garley going up, and the poor dog's hind legs trying to keep up with the Jeep. Now, he was going up, too, because he was after moving now, and his pharmacy was up on top of the hill, which is uh, Central Pharmacy now. The House of Drugs. Drugs, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and he was going up there. So one day I was going up, and I said, boy, girlie, you treat that patty some bad. I said, he walked half the ways up there behind your truck. Oh, my, oh, my, don't talk patty. Don't talk about patty. I said, why, patty is gone. I said, what do you mean, gone? He said, I had him tied on out on the back. And you know Newfoundlanders, he, he chained his dog on with a piece of rope. <laughs> but he said, I had this rope, he said, on Patty, and I had him tied out the back. And he said, we had a thunderstorm and lightning. And he said, I went out, and here was Patty. Now, he said, you know how big and bully Patty is and slobbery. He said, lightning hit the rope and went down, and there wasn't one hair on Patty's tail. Patty's gone. <laughs> so Patty died, and, 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 and that, that, that was sad. Now we'll get to John and John's story. And, and no, Ivan, I had to tell you one more. You said, give you an idea how old I am. You were talking about frogs and tadpoles. I grew up in this town. There was no frogs or tadpoles. I don't know where they came from. I, I suppose they came with the shrews and all that stuff. Somebody brought them here. <laughs> and then we'll get to John with, with the theater. And uh, this lady was saying something about Charlie used to come out. I've never seen Charlie on this stage, but I'm old enough to see Mr. Your Father on the other stage over across the street. Now, boys and girls, oh, come on, come on. They were going to, the Lone Ranger was going to capture that fellow. What did you stop the movie for? There are adults in this theater who would love to see the movie. And you kids never came here to watch movies. You came to have fun. And so we did. And then to get back to your uh, Sean's here about the money getting in. Well, we didn't have any money. Now, we weren't poor. There was nobody poor in, Newfoundland, in Grand Falls. Uh, nobody rich, I don't think. We all, we all had the same. And there was no poor thing to it. But we loved to save our money. Ten cents to get into the show. And uh, we had two men on the door. Mr. Hines and Mr. Granter. Granter. Now, the lady used to sell the tickets. And she'd give you this little ticket. And we'd give them to Mr. Hines or Mr. King. And someone said, what are we doing that for? What are we paying for that ticket for? Sure, we can make them. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we'd get a bit of cardboard and color it, put a few numbers on it, and we'd wait till the movie started. <laughs> now, just as the movie started, Mr. Hines and Mr. Grander would move into the theater. So we're dark. <laughs> so we'd rush in and give him the ticket, thank you, sir, and put it in his pocket, and we'd go on in. We got in quite a few. 
So he didn't, he didn't invent this thing. <laughs> we got in good many times. But, uh, but there was a time I didn't have to do that because John, I don't know if John can remember this, there was no television and around and they didn't advertise movies. They did it in the advertiser once in a while. But we were told that if we went up to Mr. Uh, Mr. Edwards, he would give us a bunch of flyers and you'd go around town and put the flyers in the doors and he'd give you three tickets to get in the movies. So that'd take up a week. So how many, uh, we did that a good many times. Yes, but I'm gonna tell you, some of them flyers might be out in the lobby, but a lot of them flyers ended up in under people's sheds. <laughs> you, you went to two or three houses and then you put them up under the shed and you went on, but you had your tickets to get in the shows. So I had a wonderful time growing up in this town and there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good people in, 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 in this town. And uh, I was telling Fran uh, when, we were, when this town started, they're talking about the garden town. This, uh, Armsworth, I think, but that was in it. Yeah, he said he wanted to model this town, a garden town. And you can see the evidence of the town. And that goes back to, she said, Mr. Luscombe was planting the flowers. Now, if you pick the flower, Mr. Luscombe might break your arm. <laughs> because then he was the one who put the plaster cast on in the hospital. <laughs> he also drove the ambulance. <laughs> so, am I okay yet, Butch? <laughs> Butch said, we gotta have something to eat around such and such a time, don't be there all day. But listen, I can be, <laughs> I can be here for two weeks. <laughs> so. I want, to, I want to ask you a question, because we, we met when we did the, uh, the book launch over in Windsor, and you told a little story, I'm wondering if you could tell it again, about the, um, I think it was a Salvation Army parade. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> now, don't get me started on this, because <laughs> uh, uh, my father used to tell this one, and uh, some of the older people here might have heard it. The Salvation Army is big in Grand Falls and Windsor, and everybody used to, one of the big things in Windsor was the train came in. And the boys and girls used to say, let's go down to the train to see who's on or we don't know. <laughs> that was the thing. But on certain, certain times in, in, in the week, the Salvation Army would go down, the band would go down, and they'd play. But the, the Windsor didn't have a band at that time. They'd come out from Grand Falls. And we had a big band. Professional people played that band. But anyway, this time they went out and they were parading down the road. Now there was a lot of goats and stuff run, and horses run around in Windsor. So the band was going down the road, and this man was up in front with the flag when they were going, and they were coming down to marching, and then, and all of a sudden, down around Stewart's store came this bloody big billy goat, and he seen Buddy waving the flag, and he tore, he ran into him and tore the flag up, knocked him down, tore up his uniform, and oh, what a state they were in. Now, if anybody knows anything about Salvation Army, the band can't move if there's no flag in front. <laughs> so they had to get a new flag. <laughs> and somebody decided, oh, we, 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 no, no, you don't have to go back to Grand Falls. Up on King Street, Windsor, Salvation Army, we'll go up and get their flag. So they ran up and got the flag. And they got Buddy up out of the ground. And, 
brushed and all, <laughs> fixed up his uniform, put his cap back on, and they started off. And when he did, the band started playing again. Boom, boom, playing up. <laughs> and what song should they start to play? Get ready for he's coming back again. <laughs> and buddy, <laughs> he dropped the flag and he took off. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. Um, Andy, you, you were mentioning about, you mentioned about parades, and I, know, and I know there was a big Labor Day parade, that Labor Day parade was always a big thing here, and I just wondered if anyone has any memories of, the, of Labor Day parades here. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> that goes back to Sterling again. Sterling was the chairman of the Labor Day parades for goodness knows how many times, and he, was, he made sure that everybody got involved in this Labor Day parade. And this day, he said, There's not a, the people are not getting up early enough to, for the parades. And he said, there's something going on here. He said, we've got to get the people out earlier. And this fellow was there, and he said, well, he said, uh, get the band going around, you know, in the morning. No, we can't do that. So they got this fellow on a motorcycle, and he took the muffler off, <laughs> Mr. Power. <laughs> and he started driving around town in the morning with the, muff, the muffler on. And this lady came down, listened to the noise. She said, what's the noise? And this power came back and he said, buddy, that's the last time I'm driving around this town. He said, my motorcycle, he said, but no. He said, I frightened the people up there, he said. And one woman, he said, she got up out of bed. He said, when she heard the noise, and he said, she ran out, but she forgot to put her pajamas on. But Labor Day parades were big. We've had, we've had big Labor Day parades. And to start it off, then we ended up up on the field. And there was con everything up there. And we all got $2. And man, a hot dog didn't taste so good. And a bottle of Coke. And for $2. And you still had money left when you came home. You know, and, and well... When the movie started, and, and, and like that, you could get in and 10 cents to get in, a bag of chips for five, and a bottle of Coke for, oh my. And, and that, that, that goes back, I never thought I'd live long enough to have to buy a bottle of water, <laughs> and, and I'm having trouble with a, a sciatic nerve, and I'm paying for a, uh, for a fella to beat me up. <laughs> I'm down to the chiropractor, and I... Here I am, wasting my money on bottled water and paying a fellow to beat me up. <laughs> uh, I just really want to remind him of another parade very close to this date, which actually was July the 12th, which the Orange Day, Orange Day Parade. And uh, the only time I really remember that parade it was coming up First Avenue, and uh, my neighbor, Mr. Steve Pinn, was riding a huge white horse from Goodyear's, and he was King Billy. And of course, William of Orange, I think Catholics refer to him as King Billy. And, uh, and we'd go down and see the parade, and we didn't realize the parade was actually against us. <laughs> and to us, it was just a parade. But anyway, the Orange Day, Orange Day Parade was a parade that, the Battle of the Boyne, that's right. Here we go again. No, I, I, I do remember that. And I got a picture of my grandfather. He was dressed up as King Billy, Georgie Thomas. And, and uh, he, was, 
he went all out. He had the sword on his side and everything. But he had like you killed on this King Billy thing. He had this white horse, and they were up on the field. And when they were coming back, they said, three cheers for King Billy. And he stood up in the saddle and took one foot off and was standing up in the stirrup. stirrup. And somebody decided to throw a firecracker under the horse. <laughs> My grandfather was dragged from the field up on the baseball field. And they stopped the horse right down by Goodyear's barn. <laughs> he never had a broken bone. So the uniform he put on and all this really here, I suppose. <laughs> but I think he was worried if the sword was bent. <laughs>